0: to another episode of the Forgot My Dice Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Edwards, and with me, of course, the accidental jump to my alien mothership, Mr. Robert Lundgren. How you doing?
1: Hello, hello. I'm doing good. I'm trying to answer this Watsy survey while talking to you because I, I, I like doing those. It helps shape the future of D&D. Get on our Discord. I linked it in our RPG talk.
0: Pew. I'll have to go check it. I'll have to go check it out.
1: You know what they just did? They just try- they're just they like, which one of these is not a class of d and I'm like, are you trying to school me? Are you trying to school me? I'm not going to cuss. Are you trying to school me, mother forker? Is that what your plan is? Because I know. You know, Stupid it's kind of
0: almost worse when you don't just go out with the cuss word.
1: Just let then it fall. Then I have to I have Embrace to just Embrace it, it. I just have to edit it out later, and it's just not worth my time. Which die is used to roll initiative? Really? Really? You're trying to test me? Okay. Well, as always, let's go ahead and get started with a big old thank you to our patrons over at Patreon.
0: You guys are helping us keep the lights on and the servers humming, and we appreciate each and every one of you. Thank you so much. And today... Uh, I, I picked enough, this one out just for you. Just yeah, for you. I appreciate
1: you. that. I appreciate that. Do, do you want to do it? It's, it's, it's more your day than mine. Yes, it's uh, National Chocolate Eclair Day,
0: and the reason it's my day, have I ever told this story on the show? You have told it,
1: but again, I think we picked up a few people from Delta Green, so go ahead again.
0: Uh, The reason this is important to me is because uh, when my wife uh, was pregnant with my youngest, Amelia, uh, she ate nothing but eclairs. It was what she wanted, it was what she craved all the time, and one day we're sitting there talking, we'd we'd chosen the name Amelia for um, uh, quite early on in the process, but We hadn't settled on a middle name, and I made a joke, and I said, well, the way you're eating, we should just call her Amelia Eclair. And then a couple days later, we were all sitting around, and I said, you know what I can't stop thinking about? Amelia Eclair as a name. And my wife went, oh, my God, me too, and now she's
1: Amelia Eclair. There you go. So observe it with hashtag National Chocolate Eclair Day and go eat one. It's real easy. I think that's
0: going to be an easy thing to do. Uh, My (laughs) wife used to take pictures of uh, Amelia surrounded by eclairs, and then she started to get grabby, and that got really messy. So that came with conclusion. <laughs> oh, nice. That's life. Well, that's it. We're, we're done. There's no more announcements that I'm aware Sorry, I was texting Lincoln. It's really weird when your kids start texting you.
1: Yeah, it'll be weird when the boys do it. I'm kind of used to it out of my eldest, but yeah when the younger ones start doing it it's going to be strange.
0: Yeah, when they're over at their their mom's house, uh, both of them text me from time to time. It's it, I don't know, it just never gets not weird to have your kids text you. <laughs> <laughs> I come from a time before texts, children. Let me tell you about folding a note and passing it in class. <laughs> All right, it's time for us to get started with our off the shelf segment. This is, of course, our segment where we talk about all the wonderful things that we've had off of the shelves, onto our well, all manner of things from tabletops to uh televisions, and of course, into our hearts. So, you want us to get started with the fan stuff?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the the fans have been been quite talkative. Brendan. Well, we'll start with Brendan because Brendan's a tad behind. Uh he uh he just Jisk-tisk. got disc. To- <laughs> he just got to our episode where we watched Spy, I think.
0: I was what, two up two, three, three ago, two ago? Two, two, ago. two
1: three ago. ago. Three ago. Three ago, because we we had to skip Spectre because you said Yeah, 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 That's what uh <laughs> Um Uh So yeah, uh that one I mentioned that I was gonna rent Heat. He's like, You should totally watch Heat. And I'm like, I've rented it and I've renewed it twice from the library and I haven't watched it yet. Come on, cause you gotta get. I've got. I got my copy of a friggin' Shadow in the Cloud sitting here. Come on. Oh, it's on like Amazon now or something.
0: Get through the list, baby. Come on, let's watch Shadow in the Cloud. I've been dying to watch this thing. It looks like such trash. Then watch it.
1: Then watch it. Don't wait for me. I've got so many movies on my list. But we have the Chitty Chat, and I love the Chitty Chat. The Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? Chitty Bang Bang, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Chitty no, chitty we don't bang have bang. a Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Chitty Bang Bang, bang Chitty chitty, chitty, chitty Bang Bang. Oh, you pretty Chitty Bang Bang, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. We love you. That's your fault. That's Ian Fleming, by the way. <laughs> I feel like I need a shower. Chitty Chitty Weed depend. Oh my God, stop. Bang Bang, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Our fine for you know this friend, song a lot better than I do. <laughs> I don't know why. That's one of the earworms that's lodged itself in my skull. Ugh, don't say chatty chatty. It'll it'll just start all over again. Um, all right, I'm not, so, so I'm, in, is, hell. I'm in hell. I'm in hell. It's still playing, Jonathan. It's still playing in my head. Okay, okay. He said Mortal Kombat was fun. So there you go. It's terrible, but it's fun. I think you have to be a fan of Mortal Kombat to get it more. the The, the beginning was excellent, though. I I I had a lot of fun with the beginning because it was. The, if the, they'd n- made the whole movie like
0: that, yeah. Like the beginning, yeah. it Oh really my been god. Something special. Yeah. Like, what? Legitimately, it the, the the beginning is the, the first. Ten minutes of that movie is really just jaw-droppingly better than yeah. it should
1: be, and and instead they gave us the guy with the magic sweater. He watched that uh, documentary about Sasquatch I was talking about with the that's oh, actually I need to watch that. Yeah, it's good, it's good. He liked it too. He gives it the
0: thumbs up. So yeah, send me a text to remind me, and I'll totally, I'll totally watch that.
1: Yeah, it, it's something you can you can definitely watch it while you're working. I mean, you kind of have to pay attention to what's. You, it's like if you listen to a podcast while you work, because like what's on the screen isn't terribly important. You can just sort of listen to it.
0: Well, there's some, there's some basically like data entry management stuff that I do in a database that, that I like, it's automatic. It's all muscle memory at this point. And so when I get to that part of my week, I can, I can put something on. Otherwise, like I can totally watch things that I know, like I can put on an episode of Star Trek or a movie that I know and it's, it's fine because I know what to expect and I don't get sucked into the story. But if I watch something I don't know, I, you know, like my brain's like, Hey, This is cool. Let's go watch this instead. Let's not do the workies. (laughs) (laughs) So I just don't even tempt brain because brain can't be trusted. Brain bad.
1: Nice. And then he said Justice League Snyder Cut was Riff Tracks bad. Which I disagree with, but I could see how someone felt that way because he uh, he he further commented that uh, he didn't think it improved much over the original. end. if oh they re- man,
0: maybe he needs to go back and watch the original again. Because dear lord, I, I watched the original and then two days later I watched the Snyder cut, and good lord, is that a uh, well? I mean, it a wasn't huge improvement. It
1: wasn't a high bar to be better. Not <laughs> no saying it was. <laughs> Not saying it was, but it
0: certainly clears it with, with no <laughs> with good effort
1: i i disagree that it's riff tracks bad but i uh it's it's yeah i uh, how about this i the the marvel movie that i think is probably the worst is thor 2 i think that's my least favorite one and i'm like which would i rather watch more the snyder cut again and thor 2 and i'm like i think i'd rather watch the snyder cut but i'm like okay so what's the next one down the list and that's for me it's iron man 2 it's like which one would you rather watch iron man 2 or the snyder cut and i'm like I think I'd rather watch Iron Man two, <laughs> so that's where it is in the hierarchy for me. It's the it's not the worst Marvel movie, but it's the second worst.
0: On the plus side, uh, you know Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck are dating again, so maybe we'll get Gilly two.
1: You know I have a friend that swears by that movie. That movie Be, is the worst thing I've ever seen in being riff tracks bad. Like he he likes it because it's terrible. Yeah, he, I mean, he does yeah, not defend it there's,
0: there's there's no defending it i mean that movie is legitimately garbage
1: yeah yeah no he does not defend it he does not Hot defend garbage, it. garbage dousing kerosene
0: being lit by a jet engine on a full afterburner like it's that bad
1: yeah oh i he keeps trying to get me to watch it because like you watch bad movies i'm like i, I don't know if i want oh, that
0: that one's so so bad it hurts like it physically hurts <laughs>
1: Also, book-wise, Brendan recommends a book by Max Brooks, uh, uh, World War Z author, called uh, Devolution, which is about Sasquatches killing people up in the Pacific Northwest. And I was like, Sasquatches killing people up in the Pacific Northwest? Done. I put that on hold of my library. Yeah, I read the first paragraph of the Wikipedia entry on it. I'm like, stop reading this. Put that on the reading list right now. That might actually get kicked up to right after Yellow King. Yeah. Hal, uh, okay. You want to have a book club, Jonathan? You want to have a book club? Because I, I, I ordered it at the library. I think I'll have it this week. Actually, I haven't checked. I haven't checked. But I've been really bad about reading books lately because I, I just haven't finished anything. I start and then I just get distracted with, you know, shiny stuff. Usually, usually playing with my train set. Yeah. Oh, oh, I've got it. We should start reading it. Not that I don't want you to read the. Yellow. You'll read the Yellow Queen quick. It's a, So it's I'm a allowed
0: to. Read. I'm allowed to to bump past yellow king or what what are you telling me (sighs) i really want you to read yellow king
1: but no it's fine it's fine because of various vacations people are taking this summer i think we're gonna have a couple weeks off so or we might have the whole damn summer off depending on if you're going on vacation too
0: i am i'll be gone july 30th through august 5th
1: oh yep there we go yeah yeah so the next session that we play will be the last one for three months yeah, Jesus, Jonathan, you're taking the exact time off that is the gap between Trevor's vacation and my vacation. Sorry, homie. Uh, all right, well, we're gonna have two months off. Good times. Better I haven't traveled
0: brain. in two years, and I haven't seen my dad in two years. <laughs> Hashtag priorities.
1: Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm just. We we just we just threaded the needle perfectly. It's it's amazing. We'll come back to it. We'll come back. I know. I know. It's just it's frustrating. It, when you lose momentum, it's it's hard, and I'm I'm worried. I want to actually use this damn book. Anyway, okay, we're way off topic devolution right,
0: I, put, I put devolution on the list so uh yeah i'm excited
1: and then uh ray finished the uh, last argument of kings which is the third book of joe Abercrombie's first law and next up he's going to listen to the hunt for red october which he has never listened to before
0: man i you gotta let me know if that holds up because i have very fond memories of reading that book but i also read it like 20 plus years ago yeah i'm just wondering if the cold war stuff holds up you know what i mean
1: yeah, I um, I don't think I ever read *Time for Red October*. I read *Patriot oh, man, Games*, and that was fantastic.
0: *Patriot Games* is pretty good. The, the the other one I really liked was *Red Storm Rising*, which actually never got made into a movie, and that's too bad because it would have been a hell of a war flick.
1: Yeah, no, it's about World
0: War III. But yeah, hmm.
1: yeah, which uh, you know,
0: for a few years there, it didn't look like it was going to happen, but looks like it's back on. Woo! <laughs> no <laughs> international
1: politics. Yeah, everything that's old is new again. Yeah,
0: because. man, it's really weird. <laughs> It's really, really, really weird, because when I was young, it was like, you know, the, re- the, the,
1: the red scare, and, and now it's like, "Hey, guess who's back? <sighs> anyway, let's move on to happier things. What, what do you want to talk about, Jonathan? Where do you want to go on the list?
0: Um, oh 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 oh
1: oh, we're starting with video games. We're starting with video games. We're all right, starting All right, because you, you have wronged me, sir. You have wronged me and you owe me you owe How me. I' wronged you. Okay, so I went and downloaded Spellbreak, and I made my damn account, and I logged into that game, and I was like, ooh, can I be frost and fire? And you know what happens if you lob ice into fire spells in that game? They go out. There is no frost and fire spec. They are are opposed. Oh, I thought you could mix everything. No, they are opposed. So I I figured that out, and I deleted it. I'm like, I'm done with this game. Wow. Yeah, there is no frost and no fire. I have been wrong. Yeah,
0: you're missing out. I'm having a lot of fun with that one.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah
0: uh whatever you have been playing
1: the spell break still having fun with it well good for you you lied to me sir uh,
0: lied. i don't play with the frost it's not a thing i do did you see that you can ice skate around the level with it
1: uh, i think you have to get some levels in it to do it because you you unlock certain things as you play like i think oh, actually yeah, I have yeah. to the
0: longer you live um as you live like you're you um basically your power like escalates and every few minutes it uh anybody who's still left alive goes up a level
1: yeah i was doing pretty good i i was i was routinely among the last people the best i did was fifth i was pretty impressed with myself i don't know if that was just dumb luck or what i haven't
0: won a match yet but i've come in second what else you've been playing
1: uh i've been playing with my virtual train set which is still amusing there you go yeah, trains and bridges and whatnot. I, I, I I'm kind of starting to peter out on it. I can tell. I'll have to put city skylines away for six months and then drag it out again.
0: When's Jurassic Park Evolution two coming
1: out? Because that's like on my short list right now. Soon, TM. I don't know. They're they're. I think they're planning on releasing it to promote the new movie. I'm not sure when it's going to come out. It's it's soon. But they haven't had like a gameplay trailer. That all they've had is like you know. I think trailers. it's
0: fair to say we know how to play.
1: Yeah, yeah. They said they're gonna up the management part of it, but otherwise it'll be very familiar. Which that's okay. Yeah. I've
0: been playing their their zoo game, so I, I feel like I'm actually oddly ready to jump into it.
1: <laughs> You're probably overly ready. I I would describe Jurassic Park Evolution One as a arcadey simulation game. That's about the it best is, way to do it. But it sure is fun. I, well, I'm I not saying it's not. With it. I'm not saying it's not. I I I still haven't finished the the Doctor Who stuff because I took a break from it to play with my train set. So. I'll need to go back to Jurassic Park pretty soon.
0: Yeah, it just says 2021. There's no <laughs> specific date,
1: so. Yeah, well, soon, TM. Well, hashtag you've got my money. <laughs> <laughs> and then one last thing, Jonathan, today was day 190 of my nice. adventure. Yeah, yeah. You know, on the on the workout front, you know what
0: I tried the other day? What'd you try the other day? Um, I, I bought a stand-up paddleboard and I took it out on the water. You bought it? Well, yeah, yeah. It's something I've wanted for quite some time. And, uh, you know, I had a little bit of extra cash and I had like two hundred dollars in Amazon credit from winning some Star Wars trivia contests. And so I was like, okay, you know, it's time. I'll get it. And you know how in all the videos it looks like everybody's having a great time and totally like stable
1: and like they've been doing it for years. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming there's some muscle memory involved with that one.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, there's a ton. It was like, I don't even know how to describe it. My whole body is sore. Mm-hmm. Still, two days later, I'm, I'm, it's just like, it's a full body workout. According to my watch, I burned like 950 calories in, in an hour. After 20 minutes, my core and my legs were trembling and I had to do the rest on my knees. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, it brought me to my knees in a very literal sense. And then I, I kneeled before Zod.
1: Yeah, I wish I had rivers slightly closer to me. We're, hey, we're, like, we're deep in the burbs. Like. I
0: never realized it would be such a good workout. And, and, and that's not to say I didn't have a great time, because I really did. I had a really good time. I mean, anything, anything can get me out on the water. Uh, but man, that's some work. Like, mad respect to people that can do that for hours, because well, after 20 minutes, I was a broken man. <laughs> and I can go out in my kayak for like three, four hours sometimes. It's not a problem. And I got plenty of energy left in the tank and I don't get sore. But man, that that's a it's a full body workout, like keeping yourself stable on that board on the plus side. I did not eat it. I did not go into the water. Nice. Very proud of that.
1: You know, I was thinking I probably I, I got a bum knee. I probably couldn't do that. That would that, that would be sad.
0: Yeah, it might be worth trying it one day just to see if it, if it bugs you. Just do do like 10 minutes on one. Trust me, like
1: that. that's like I could definitely do kayaking, though. I, I'm not opposed to the kayaking.
0: Oh, kayaking's phenomenal. I mean, I like both sports, and I'll probably do both sports, but, uh, oh my God. That thought got away from you? No, somebody texted me a picture. This makes me terrified to take my kayak out anymore.
1: Why? Is it a shark? No. <laughs> it,
0: it It's getting to be this hot in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> so... I know that we're basically a radio show here, but uh, it's a picture of somebody's kayak on the back of the guy's pickup truck. And it's so hot that the kayak has lost structural integrity and has basically melted along the backside of the pickup truck down to the ground like a gummy worm.
1: Yeah, seems correct. It gets like that in Texas. It's been like, yeah, it's been you it's, know, that that awful time of year in Texas where it's like right there it's raining a lot. But it's hot, and so like you have to turn the air conditioner down to like uh, like Arctic levels just for it, for it to actually turn on because it's not hot enough to turn the air conditioner on. But it's like that, humid that was, is all out. That was the last two weeks. Yeah, yeah, we we had that last week up here, and it was oh. awful. Like we
0: past that now. Now we're into the um, dear God, it's the fires of hell uh, month. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. What else did you play on video games? That was it. I'm done. Oh, okay. I had a couple others. Uh, I dove into my Castlevania collection. So Chloe wanted to watch the Castlevania anime, which, by the way, uh, fun fact, I didn't have that on my movie list, but yeah, we watched, uh, Chloe and I watched season one of of Castlevania because she's super, super into anime right now. Oh yeah, Alan is too. Afterwards, she was a little curious about the games, and so a couple of the other kids came in and I gave them a brief history of Castlevania, starting with Castlevania on the NES and working our way up to Shadows of the Night on the PlayStation, which one could argue is the penultimate Castlevania experience. We also yeah. did stops at Bloodlines on the Genesis and Super Castlevania on the Super Nintendo just so that they could see the jumps in technology. We ignored Lords of Shadow because that didn't happen. Okay. It never happened.
1: I, I Neither did I, Indiana
0: Jones 3.
1: Wait, The Last Crusade? 4. I liked Indiana Jones 4 more than I liked Raiders of the Lost Ark. I'm not going to lie.
0: Are you out of your mind? With no. stupid CG monkeys in the trees and the jackass alien plot, uh,
1: do, do do we want to get into this? I mean, You've I broken g-
0: my heart today, Robert.
1: Uh, do do we want to get into this? I get, we can get into this if you want to get into it's okay.
0: it. Okay, I'm just gonna cry silently over here.
1: Okay, okay. all right. Well, uh, okay. This is this is my point of view. Uh, uh, Temple of Doom one has not aged well. Oh no, oh, no, really, not 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 yeah. good. No, yeah but no. but beyond that beyond that like
0: don't write a movie when you're going through a divorce just fun facts for, for for kids like you know yeah if you're going through a divorce don't write a movie about literally getting your heart torn out of your chest
1: yeah yeah and and well you know and it's treatment of of you know the brown people's not great either yeah.
0: ladies and gentlemen the reason pg-13 was created
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh yeah yeah it's really dark it's gory for you know, I mean, not incredibly gory, but still it's gory. It's for its way time o- it was. Yeah, it's way off topic considering the the first and the third one, and even part four. Um, and yeah, yeah, it's just it's it's just kind it's of problematic not great. as I'll get out. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 got some issues. Four, on the other hand, I, I liked for a lot of reasons. I'm not gonna defend it as being like the best of the trilogy or anything. It's clearly not. But you say Raiders of the Lost Ark. I, I meant Temple of the Doom. It, it's oh, okay. Worth, it's, it's now I'm not as offended. Doom. Yeah. Now I'm it's better not than Temple offended. Doom. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, had you said
0: it right the first time, I would not have had the reaction. Okay, I that. apologize. I, I I meant Temple of Doom.
1: I yeah. meant because I, I, like I thought you meant, meant like Doom. Raiders, and I was like, how no, dare you, sir? No. I, I was. No. I was taking
0: off my glove to Bugs Bunny <laughs> slap you in the face. No. No. No.
1: No. no. I I apologize. No, it's not better than. The, the, I was queuing yeah. up the, the yeah the three to walk over to you and slap you. One and three are superior to four and two art is yes yeah. i mean the order odd, is odd number three you know they're filming indiana jones 5 and it's and let's see if it holds up odd numbered indiana jones movies don't suck so hopefully yeah well be good. i mean hey it worked
0: for star trek for a long time
1: yeah 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 no the that even was even number awesome yeah the even numbered trek movies don't suck yeah yeah
0: i mean come on you get con voyage home undiscovered country um not first contact works. yeah first contact
1: that's and not then, a bad run right there go no. even yeah, and then they then they hit 10 and and yeah. That what there was a 10th Star Trek movie? Nemesis. No, it didn't happen, Robert.
0: <laughs> but it did. Stop lying. Stop making <laughs> things up that didn't happen in reality. And then it guess- happened in your dimension before the Donald Trump election broke the timeline. I don't know.
1: All right all right whatever but god what were we even talking about i don't even know what we're doing
0: uh this all started with castlevania (laughs) when i said that when i said the lords of shadow didn't happen (laughs)
1: Uh uh
0: uh not that i'm at all opinionated about my media (laughs) not even remotely um i tried a new free-to-play game that i found it's called space lords oddly enough it was from the makers of castlevania lords of shadow
1: Positive podcast, Jonathan. Positive you, right? podcast, yeah. Okay, okay. You're not yeah. going to recommend it. We're moving on. Okay. I tried it. Okay. I. I and moving on? Yeah. <laughs> if you
0: got... Yeah. And then I, I tried out the the new Sniper Contracts 2, and I'm having a lot of fun with that. I mean, like, it's a goofy game. It's not the best shooter I've ever done, but I like the... It, it's stealth action with sniper rifles. It's It's goofy fun. It it's not you know. It's not a high tier shooter, but it doesn't need to be. It knows exactly what it wants to be, and it, it's really fun to play in that space. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. So yeah, that's it for uh, video games for me. Where do you want to go next? Since you are taking us down this journey. Oh, I am. I am now. Uh, let's do reading. You first. All right. Me first. Uh, me first. I read uh, uh, "Prisoners of Darkness," which was the second novella in that Galaxy's Edge collection I told you about. Mm-hmm. Uh, ends on a hell of a uh, cliffhanger that I'm dying to find out about and I've got like two books ahead of it because I've got Breakaway and then um, which is the next Expeditionary Force book and then I've got uh, Yellow King before I can get back to that space so we'll see we'll see Like that's a, that's a long time to go on a cliffhanger that I know has been resolved I'm dying to know <laughs> it's not like I'm waiting for another book the books come out there's like another seven books after this <laughs> um and then other than that uh, what else did i read i read something other than instructions for board games um oh uh i have started breakaway the new expeditionary force book so yeah yeah i figured. Um, I, I cracked the cover i actually finished uh, prisoners of darkness um this this morning and then on my lunchtime reading break i kicked up my feet and i read the first uh i think two chapters nice before the uh uh, the call of work drug me back in yeah sometimes i I like to do at least three days a week i'll i'll intentionally do no screen time uh at lunchtime nice i spend too much time in front of my computer as it is
1: all right where do you want
0: to go Dex? because you're taking us on this journey all i'm taking us on this journey uh let's do movies and tvs
1: okay uh you and i both watched loki what'd you think I like it. I like it because it's weird. <laughs> it's very, very timey wimey. That first episode is great. And yeah. can
0: I just say, like, way to take Thor two and make it totally pertinent.
1: <laughs> it's always kind of impertinent.
0: Once, once it, once again, Marvel taking a second swing at a subject that they know they 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 didn't hit as well as they could have, and totally like rooting it in in feels like way to go.
1: <laughs> yeah i'm I'm interested in going or where it's going and i'm interested the rumors are true that the the villain of the piece the loki these are spoilers uh supposedly though the other loki in it is lady loki based off of the the female loki story arc that they did in the comics Cause, that would be fascinating because if you looked at loki's uh, little form in the beginning of that when they list his gender it says fluid yes Yes. So yeah, maybe he uh, yeah maybe it's the the lady version of him is causing the bad stuff from happening, and also also in the myth, I, I I forget the exact details, but I know he he morphed into like a horse and then got knocked up and gave birth to the six legged horse that Odin rides. So that happened. It's unfortunate.
0: Sometimes you just got to give birth to a six legged horse. I know it's a thing that happens, right?
1: Right. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah. It happens. Yeah. Yeah.
0: To the best of us.
1: Yeah. All right, Jonathan. Well, I thought of you yesterday. Uh, my daughter's really into this show. Uh, it's on HBO Max. It's called Adam Ruins Everything. And it, the host... Oh, I Adam, need to,
0: yeah, I need to watch that. I hear you. Yeah, noise. yeah, yeah. I just well, sent you something, by the way.
1: Okay. Somebody just sent me. Okay. So, but I, we watched an episode about Adam Ruins School, and it talked about, you know, three topics in school that people uh, people routinely screw up. And one of them, Jonathan, was grammar, and it just made me think of your uh, your grammar stuff that you, or, you know, your language stuff that sometimes you go off about. And, uh, yeah, it was funny. They, they came up with a good word for the people who, you know, aggressively, uh, you know, correct people's grammar and stuff. They uh, they said, we should call them gromandos. And I'm like, Ooh, I like it. I like that. That's has got a ring to it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I approve. I approve of this usage of, of bastardized English and uh, wish it to go forward. I, too, will use
1: gromando. <laughs>
0: Well, I see we both watched uh, some more Love, Death, and Robots.
1: Yeah, I, I think I watched two more. Um, I did, too. Well, uh, yeah, so Pop Squad, a little dark. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. <laughs> I had a hard time watching that one. Yeah. That I h- hurt. That one yeah. stung. That would yeah, kick that, me square in the feels twice. Yeah, that one wounded me so deep, I went and checked out the book that it's based off of just to read the story to see if it was as unrelentingly awful. And yes. Oh, yes, God, it is. man.
0: That was a... That, I mean, like... I mean, masterfully executed, without a doubt. But dear God, what a story. Yeah. Definitely hey. gets the, the, the award for the darkest thing of the season so
1: far. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And then what oh, was that, the other that's, one that you that's, that's, the other, that's the other thing I, I read, by the way. I forgot to do that. I read The Pop Squad, The Story, by... Here, I'm highlighting the name in my stuff. I don't know how to pronounce that. Paolo Bagigalupi? Yeah, I'll go with Is that. Is it Italian? I don't know. Bagigalupi
0: sounds I would assume Italian. It does Could well, It could be
1: Bagigalupi. Were, were there accents? No, I, I just... I, I don't know. I copied it off the I phone. mean, the
0: first The first name is Paolo. Yeah. Right, for sure. And I would bet it's Italian, and I bet it's Bagigalupi, which is really kind of fun to say.
1: There you go. Uh, the, uh, the book is called Pump Six and Other Stories, and yeah... He, uh, he tends to write stuff about biotech gone awry. So it's like Black Mirror, but with living stuff, not technology. Which, Pump or uh, uh, the Pop Squad, definitely biotech gone awry. <laughs> yeah. And then did you, uh, well, the next one was what, Snow in the Desert? Yeah, I can't remember. I know I watched the Pop Squad. Maybe that's the only one I watched. About the dude named Snow? You know, everybody keeps talking to me about it because it's clearly based off of The Authority, and I don't remember it. So I, I okay, don't think I watched so. it. All right. Yeah,
0: I'm two ahead of you. I watched uh, Snow in the Desert and The Tall Grass, which was interesting. Snow in the Desert was particularly
1: interesting. You know what I found odd? Okay, so Stephen King and his son wrote a novella or something, which got turned into a Netflix movie, which we are going to watch because it's part of our series called In the Tall Grass. And I just assumed that this was another riff on it. But no, The Tall Grass is written by Joe Lansdale and it's completely different. The more you know. Na, 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 na. I haven't watched a lot of TV. I need to get on it. We're going to do it tonight that's the plan the plan we're gonna watch the heat tonight i think or 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 game night i haven't decided which we'll see what i'm feeling probably game night actually because uh they, they've been doing a lot of hype for the D D movie and i, I want to see how those guys direct yeah
0: did you see the first set pictures come out yeah yeah, yeah. hugh mm-hmm. grant looking all hugh grant he looks kind of roguey
1: i would assume that the bad guy would be a wizard but no which you know interesting choice uh, the other thing I've been watching is called Dragon Quest, The Legend of Dai, which is a, a, a anime on uh, the Hulus. And I didn't finish it, unfortunately, because our Hulu subscription ran out and we didn't turn it on again. But um, yeah, it is the most anime anime I've ever seen. Like every bad trope about animes ever, you know, including people having long conversations in the middle of fights and then announcing their moves. Because
0: um, <laughs> that always ends well.
1: Yeah, and then people having like you know how the average anime person apparently has fifty gallons of blood shoved into their body somehow. Um, Eh,
0: Yeah, it's a a trick.
1: Yeah, pocket dimension. Don't worry about that. Yeah, and then you know every character archetype is there from the you know the loser sidekick to the overly you know the overly awesome hero to the dirty old man. It's just it's just all there. It's, it's the most anime anime I've ever seen. Like, I, I, I was watching it with Eowyn and, and I was like, God, this is the most anime anime I've ever seen. And she's, at, at first, she's like, What do you mean? And I, I went to like a list of tropes of animes and like, I, it was like we were just crossing this list off with like the first 10 episodes. It was amazing. Maybe that's how they wrote it. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Not, not great, but it was fun. It All was right. fun.
0: All right. Well, I, I watched one other thing. I watched um, uh, Without Remorse, the Tom Clancy movie. Mm, mm, the one with uh,
1: Michael B. Jordan. Yes, that guy.
0: Yeah, I would have called it without excitement. It would have been better. Oh, wow. It tries so hard. To be like a military thriller, but it forgets the thriller component of it. I mean, Michael B. Jordan's performance is fine. It is what it is. The problem is that this, he's not given a script to to really hang his performance off of. And so he doesn't get to achieve like killmonger level, which I still think is like one of the best performances he's produced because he, he, he sells, he sells the character in, in more than one way. It's, it's in body language. It's in, um, in delivery of dialogue. It's, it's just in the way he enunciates certain things. And in this movie, he's just not given any dialogue to, to, to work with. And it's, I don't know. Like it ends up being like I'm really excited because they're bringing in all this Tom Clancy thing into the the modern world which, you know, obviously it was written during the during a very different time period, so the the conflict was inherently different, but and it, it does some interesting things, but I can't call it uh, great. I can just call it distinctly like high class mediocre. You know? Like I just I I want it to be more than it is. Now hopefully they bring krasinski's jack ryan into this and and make a better film or a series like either one of those things would be amazing but um i've just seen better thrillers i've seen much better thrillers and and the the problem is not with direction or set design or or you know special effects or performances that really it comes down to just it's a very poor mediocre boring script
1: all right we'll tell you what let's close us out or close me out First off, we played more Delta Green. Yes, we did. Yeah. I got myself my first kill. Mm. <laughs> How was that for you? Mm. No, it, was, it was good. I found I, I, I rarely kill characters. I kind of feel bad about it. And especially the one I killed, I liked. I liked that character a lot. But, you know, yeah, it's that's Cthulhu, man. Sometimes your story's just over. <laughs> yeah, isn't that the truth? Yeah, but our, our lovable mobster, Huey Milkshakes, he uh, he got impaled by clockwork automatons that shot spring-loaded knives out of their chests. Those things were vile.
0: Yeah. Hey, just out of curiosity, what would have happened if I tried to cut the strings? Anything?
1: No, nothing. No, I'm
0: glad I gave up on that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those strings, are they're magic. <laughs> <laughs> to hell
0: with the dice roller that night, just saying. Yeah, we got a new one. We got a I new one. I saw that. I went and tried it.
1: Yeah, and it, it rolled low. <laughs> God bless it. Uh, yeah, yeah. That, the Dice Maiden. Dice Maiden was not being nice to us, so we, we have switched to... What's this new one called? Uh, Dice Parser.
0: And we'll see if it screws us the next time we play.
1: Yeah, yeah, which will be the last time we play for like two months. <laughs> uh, I, and then uh, board games. Uh, all I've got left is Beyond the Sun which we played one Sunday evening with Ray on the tabletop simulator.
0: Yes. And now we're playing an asymmetrical one. And I,
1: man, like I like the game. I I like the concept, but holy crap.
0: Like this is one of those where you really have to play it a few times to get a sense for like where to invest.
1: I'm just pushing random buttons. I I don't know what's going on anymore. I, I, I don't like this interface for it. The game's way too slow.
0: Yeah. I think it would be much better on a table. I agree.
1: Yeah. So, not opposed to playing on the table again, though. I would I would no, actually know that. No,
0: no. I would totally play too.
1: Yeah. I got the chance to play Fury of Dracula. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I heard about that. Yeah, it was interesting. We tried the app and it it wasn't as good as uh it wasn't as good as the tabletop sim. Or or well, I mean, nothing's as good as playing it on the board. But uh, the app make yeah. makes yeah. some crucial crucial decisions that work against dracula specifically in in how it displays the map and how it displays information and um clicked on the wrong thing a couple times and there was no way to walk it back and yeah it was just i don't know the, the app is just so so i'd rather have the app than not if that's the only way i get to play fury dracula but that being said if you get a chance to play it on tabletop simulator or even better in person that's the way you enjoy that game
1: word Go on. I'm done. Uh, Finn. Um, well, you and I did play a little. Welcome to. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to get a new game going. They want to play something else. They want to play Seven Wonders or something. Oh, okay. Well, we can do that too. I, I, I assume totally. somebody had started it. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just along for the ride, man. Like you know, just invite me. I'll, pl- I'll, I'll click yes.
0: Yeah, I was kind of the same way. Um, <laughs> and then I've been playing a lot of Warps Edge, which we'll be talking about later this uh, later this episode. And mm-hmm. then I also uh, tried Hadrian's Wall, which I've been working through the rules on that to get ready for a deep dive. And yeah, that's uh, that's where I've been. I don't want to go too much into Hadrian's Wall or Warp's Edge because they're they're going to be deep dives, and we've talked about Fury of Dracula before. So and welcome to, So yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Is that it? Mm-hmm. That's it. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of our first segment, which means it's time for a short break. And when we get back, it will be time for our Wisdom of Crowds.
1: Do you have a tabletop, board game, miniature game, or RPG that you're going to release for retail? Or do you have an upcoming tabletop Kickstarter that you're about to launch? We would love to interview you for a future episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. Send
0: us an email to fmdpodcast2016 at gmail.com to schedule an interview. And welcome back from the break. It is now, of course, time for our second segment of the day, The Wisdom of Crowds, our bi-weekly tabletop news segment. And you have, and I quote from the notes here, a metric F-ton of D&D news.
1: Yes, so I'm going to start somewhere else because <laughs> right. I, 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 I'm going to get the other out of the way and then we'll we'll just keep on with D&D, keep on truck. All right, so Critical Role, their second campaign has officially ended, which is fascinating to me. Which it has been 141 episodes, Jonathan stretching somewhere between three and seven hours, Uh, typically three and six, seven hours was their outlier. And they have said their third campaign is coming, but they have no announcements as of this recording. And they're going to do an eight episode mini campaign called Exandria Unlimited, uh, which will be set after the current stuff and it will start on June 24th. And I'm actually going to give this a try because eight episodes, I can I, I, can try watching other people play D&D because I tried to watch Critical Role, but by then there were over 100 episodes in the second campaign and it just seemed too daunting. It was too much of a hill to climb, but I can do a mini series of eight. I think I'll give it a go. That's going to be my project this summer.
0: All right. Well, Blue Orange Games has come out with their fall 2021 release catalog. We've got uh, a game by Phil Walker Harding. And that is a is um, two to four players, ages 10 and up. And in it, you will be building a city that is a combination of human habitation and the natural world, is what the press release says. And it is called Neoville. They also have a new King Domino game on the way. Uh, this is going to be going back towards the original uh, King Domino model uh, with a couple different game modes in there. Two to four players, eight and up. And it is, of course, from Bruno Cathala. And it is King Domino Origins. And finally, we've got by Frederick Girard, And I'm sorry, I don't speak French. There's a lot of accents in that. Pretty sure I screwed that up. Uh, He's going to be releasing Bellum Magica, which is a game for two to five players. And it features an automatic resource growth mechanic. It's a strategy game. I'm looking at some pictures of it here, and it's absolutely stunning. It's got some gorgeous art. Looks really
1: great. All right. Well, thus begins... The metric F-ton of DD news. Wizards of the Coast has announced that they are taking control of DD translation. Previous to this, uh, they would typically license out uh, their game to other third-party companies who would then make a translation and sell it in the market for which they have translated it for. I've heard the quality of those translations is uh, mixed at best. <laughs> uh, I've heard some rather infamous stories about a, a Korean company when they when they translate stuff into Korean. It's It's just awful from all accounts but yes so wizards uh, it, i think is the first american role playing company to decide to tackle this on their own uh they said that the first round is going to be for latin america and europe and they are attempting to unify price availability and quality of the translations so oh i found that interesting so the little hobby just grows a little bit bigger jonathan it's big enough that a company's taking it on by themselves which is fascinating
0: well, uh, Funko Games has announced a huge slate of Disney-based products that they are going to be bringing to market, um, and these are definitely aimed a little at the, uh, little more at the younger audience here. So, we've got a couple different things. We've got the Disney Mad Tea Party. Uh, that'll be a two-to-ten player game, and uh, think uh, animal upon animal. Uh, instead of stacking animals, you're at the Mad Hatter's party, and you'll be stacking uh, cups up on top of a table, and it's a little plastic teacups, and it looks really cool. There'll be Mickey and the Beanstalk, based on the, um, Mickey and the Beanstalk cartoon, and this will be, uh, Minnie, Donald, and Goofy joining Mickey as they work together, uh, to collect, uh, you know, food from the giant's table without getting caught. So, um, it's, Really, actually, quite stunning. If you go take a look at pictures of it, it's got this uh, 3D pop-up in the box that gives the whole game a big 3D feel. It's a a lot of table presence for a kid's game. That's cool. Next up is Hidden Mickeys. And that uh, um, has players three and up trying to find hidden Mickey mice um, with a couple different methods and you get to put these little markers uh, that are, have Mickey on them all around your living room, through your house, through your yard, and then the kids get to go and play and uh, find them. Wow, it's just like going to Disneyland. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then finally, we've got Disney's Pixar Toy Story Talent Show, which is a, uh, another bigger game, two to six players, and it's got uh, balancing, tossing, roping, and rolling, uh, and you're you're trying to basically earn prize tickets. So, yeah. A little bit of a slate for younger players there. But if you're like me and you've got a younger one in the house, uh, the, these games can go a long way. I really like Animal Plum Animals, the gift that keeps on giving.
1: Yeah, true that. All right. Ray Winiger, I guess that's his last name, has teased on Twitter that there is more D&D content coming. Ray is the uh, this Ray, not classic Ray. Is, uh, <coughs> he's the head of uh, the Dungeons and Dragons department. So, yes, I would assume he knows. Uh, He said on Twitter, quote, as I've mentioned on a couple of occasions, there are two more products that revive, quote, classic settings in production right now. The manuscript for the first, overseen by Chris Perkins, is nearly complete. Work on the second, read by F. Wesley Schneider, with an assist from Ari Levitch, is just ramping up in earnest. Both are targeting a 2022 and are going to be in formats you've never seen before. And let me tell you, Jonathan, the formats you've never seen before is like giving all of the grognards and all that just such such frights i they're like oh it's gonna be magic cards and you're gonna have to <laughs> they're, they're just saying all this nonsense and it's like come on guys come Drognards on yeah come out with nonsense surely yeah. not yeah that never happens that never ever happens 10 bucks says formats you've never seen before it means it's going to be a weirdly shaped book just gonna i'm that's that's (laughs) that's where i'm going with that one or a new box well no but we've seen box sets before so i don't know i'm gonna go with weirdly shaped book in addition to those two titles we have two brand new DD settings in early development as well as a return to a setting we've already covered none of these are going to be magic settings so if it's a a return to a setting that's not a magic setting it means they're going to do another forgotten realms book which huzzah as I've mentioned in the dev blog, we develop more material than we publish. So it's possible one or more of the last three things won't reach production. But it's right now they're all looking great. So there you go. That is like the future, the 2022 and on of D&D.
0: Well, I've got some D&D news, too, because guess what? The D&D uh, adventure system of games is getting a new uh, expansion. The Ghosts of Saltmarsh. Mmm, Nice. Now, this does require one of the standalone D&D adventure games to play. Um, You have to use the heroes from that game. But this is a one-to-five-player game. You can dive into an overarching campaign, or you can do the scenarios as little standalones. It incorporates monsters from all the previous adventure systems uh, via game tokens. Yeah, it just expands it. So, of course, any of the core games are going to be needed, and those core games are going to be Castle Ravenloft, uh, Waterdeep, Dungeon of the Mad Mage, Tomb of Annihilation, Wrath of Ashardalon, Legend of Drizzt, or Temple of Elemental Evil. You'll need one of those to play it. But uh, yeah, Legend of Saltmarsh coming very soon. Uh, they're saying August of 2021 is a release. And if you do have the, uh, the other games, you do get to use the plastic minis from those games rather than the tokens that come in this game.
1: They have teased a- another book that is going to come out in the year, probably... Not this quarter, but like in the fall would be my guess, like early fall, late summer. It's by James Wyatt, and they have been very coy about it, but people on the internet have pointed out that they've been testing a lot of dragon content, and James Wyatt has been involved with previous editions books co- known as the Draconomicons, which are books about dragons. It's a great title. I love Draconomicon. It's just It's good. So the money is on that they're going to do a Blank's Guide to Dragons or a Draconomicon or some dragon names guide to everything because that's been a thing lately uh in the near future and that will be like a rules expansion that will be dragon focused so but that's all speculation but that is coming this year from D D.
0: all right and finally for me hey you guys the goonies are coming back to board games this time from funko and we are getting the Goonies Never Say Die. And it's designed by Prospero Hall, and you know how I feel about their designs. They're generally pretty friggin' awesome. So, this is the Goonies Never Say Die game. And uh, one player takes on the role of the, the Goondocks Master, as it's put here. Um, and they will be taking the role of basically all the, the bad folks. The Fratellis, the One-Eyed Willie, the Giant Octopus, that totally wasn't in the movie but was, no matter how you cut it. And then, of course, you the other players are going to be the Goonies themselves. You get Mikey, Mouth, Chunk, Data, and Sloth. There's a bunch of minis, and it's Goonies minis, so how can you not love that? And that will be available for pre-order at Target and will hit shelves over the summer along with the also-announced expansion Under the Goondocks. And Under the Goondocks adds three additional uh, characters. It's the older characters, Steph, Brand, and Andy as well as a new foe, Troy the Bully. So, um, there's even a little mini-adventure in there, and uh, yeah, you can have all that this summer.
1: So, over the last two weeks, uh, Amazon accidentally uh, spoiled two new books coming out, and boy, have they spoiled them. They just embraced it and gave out a whole bunch of information. So, the first book that they have spoiled is called, it's an adventure called The Wild Beyond the Witchlight, it is a Feywild focused adventure, so think like fairy, basically where all the fairies come from, and you know the good and the bad. You know, because fairies can be scary. Holy God, some of the some of the legends. But it sounds very fairy tale inspired, and the back text says uh, has, has a cute name on it. So let's just read this back text. Once every eight years, the fantastic witch carnival touches down on your world, bringing joy to one settlement after the next. Its owners, Mister Witch and Mister Light. Know how to put on a good show, but there's more to this magical extravaganza than meets the eye. The carnival is a gateway to the fantastic Feywild domain, unlike anything found on the material plane. Time has not been kind to this realm, however. The dark days lie ahead unless someone can thwart the dastardly schemes of the Hourglass Coven. The Wild Beyond the Witchlight takes adventures from the Witchlight Carnival to Pri- Prismere, a Feywild domain of delight. This book comes with a poster map that shows the carnival on one side and Prismere on the other. So, fun lore facts here. The Feywild is kind of considered the opposite of the Shadowfell, which are two alternate realities that are sort of adjacent to the D&D worlds, you know? Does that make sense? One's kind of dark and evil, and one's kind of light and fairy, but they both have good and bad in them. They're just kind of reflections of each other. So, in fourth edition, they moved the domains of Ravenloft into the Shadowfell, and those became the domains of uh, Dread that were these places inside the Shadowfell so it's interesting that now on its opposite side we're going to have Domains of Delight inside the Feywild so I don't know maybe a lore connection there I thought it was interesting okay and then last and this is the one I'm really excited about in November Curriculum of Chaos is coming out this is a DD and d setting based off of the University of Strixhaven from the Strixhaven Magic the Gathering set Strixhaven is a magical university founded by elder dragons located on the plane of Archivos. There are five colleges, each founded by a different dragon, Prismari, Witherbloom, Silverquill, Lorehold, and Quandrix. I've been watching some lore videos on this. You got your standard D and D races in there like dwarves and elves and humans and whatnot, but you also got some fun stuff like trolls, dryads, Luxodons. And there's even a card that features a bear with a monocle. So they might have bear people, Jonathan. How cool would that be? The big bads of at least the magic set were the Auric, which were people that think Strixhaven is draconic propaganda. And they are basically magic punk revolutionaries that kind of treat the Elder Dragons like the man. So they're trying to throw down the man and bring down the university. Yeah, but they were the main focus of the last one. Who knows if it's going to be in this one. But yeah, and they've already released an Unearthed Arcana with test classes and keeping to the magic, the gathering idea that wizards are magic is magic and wizards are wizards all of these subclasses can be taken by at least two and and, in I think one or two cases, three different classes. So, you know, it's like a, uh, you know, there's one that's uh, a wizard and a sorcerer one and there's one, you know, druid and whatnot. It's, it's interesting. They're designed to be, you know, used by multiple people. And yeah, I am, I'm very excited about this because uh, I have been saying for a while, I really think the community out there really wants some to play something Harry Potter, but you know, not Harry Potter because of, you know, author reasons. So I don't know, I'm excited about this. Also, they have their own Quidditch, it's called Mage Tower. It's basically Capture the Flag, but there's five teams on the field at the same time. So that sounds fun. I don't know, that sounds like a board game you could make. I don't know if it'd be interesting Capture the Flag with five different people, but what do you know? Anyway, there you go, Curriculum of Chaos. That'll be out at the end of the year. Strixhaven, looks cool. I'm done. Finn, drop the mic. Any comments on Strixhaven? I mean, I'm glad it, um, it,
0: it, it's good that we're losing the problematic element there.
1: Yeah. Well, and also, I, I'm hoping they lean into the college thing and kind of make it kind of a, a different sort of D&D theme. setting, you know? Yeah. Well, So we'll see what happens. Well, it is now
0: time for part 28 of our 30-part series. That is, of course, No Time to Bond, where we are watching the 007 movies in order of release date. And in this part, we are on the 24th film in the series,
1: 2015's Spectre. Once again, directed by Sam Mendes for a budget of, and again, I don't know how they don't know the budgets of these movies, but somewhere between 245 and $300 million. And it made $880 million, or about 20% less than Skyfall. All right, Jonathan, I, I have thoughts on this movie. I... When I watched it, I liked it, and then as I was thinking about it, I grew to hate the movie more and more, and it wow. really pissed me off. It's yeah, quite an I, emotional journey. Yeah, and I'm I'm actually going to say this is the worst of the Daniel Craig movies.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's how much I I dislike this movie now.
0: So how do you want to attack this? Because I have thoughts too. I don't know that I, I'm quite as passionate about it as you are. I think that there's some major misses.
1: Okay. So we'll tell you what. Let's talk about like this movie as. Pretty distinct parts. There's kind of the first half, and then there's the part where they go to Monaco and board the train, and that's kind of the second half of the movie, in my opinion. Is, is that a good break point for you, or do you think? I mean, I, I know it's got three. It's a three act structure, or more yada yada yada. But that—that's the break point of me. That's the part where I start hating it. Is post Monaco?
0: Yeah, I mean, like, do you want to
1: do you want to tackle those in two halves? Sure, we can do that. Okay. I mean, the, the the I didn't find any major issues
0: with the beginning of the film. Like, I no. thought the beginning of the film was fine. I I think. Number one, I mean, like, what an amazing set piece it starts out with. Uh, the cold open is friggin' awesome. Like, mm-hmm. so good. Yes. So good. Yes. And if you ever want to see, like, the magic that is filmmaking, go film, uh, or go go watch an um, introduction on how they film that. Because, um, A, it's, it's one of those long single takes that Sam Mendes likes. Yeah. And then, B all the stuff with the helicopter was actually filmed in like multiple different settings. And they, they stitched together in such a way that you really can't tell. Like it legitimately looks like, like that chopper's buzzing Mexico city.
1: Yeah. No, the, the beginning, the cold open was amazing. Yeah. It takes place during like the day of the dead, I think is, is what, what's supposed to be going on there. And yes, in
0: Mexico city. And the funny thing is like, there really was no day of the dead uh, parade until that movie. And now the city has actually adopted the concept and it
1: now does that. <laughs> nice. Yeah, no, the cold open was great. Uh, the setup, I mean, it's kind of once you start thinking about it, uh, it's like so. Basically, M gives Bond one last mission. She said she sends him a videotape or whatever, and it's like, if I die, find this man, kill him, and attend his funeral. And it's like, M, why couldn't you or Judi Dench, M, why couldn't you, if you just said that when you were alive? I I never got the sense of why this had to happen after she died. Like, if it because part-
0: I like think I think the setup was, you know, I'm I'm chasing this lead. I'm not 100% sure it's going anywhere, but if something does happen to me, then it did go somewhere, I guess. Well, but she died in the 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 last movie, yeah. Yeah, and the the problem is that she died in the last movie and not by anything put into motion by the
1: the Spectre organization. Well, kind of. I mean, they they take credit for it, but yeah, I don't know.
0: Sure, I can take credit for things too. That doesn't mean I did it. Yeah,
1: yeah, true that. Um, But, you know, it's yet another spy movie where James Bond goes rogue. And I'm starting to get tired of that. Like, can we have a spy movie where people stay on the reservation, please? Like, it, it's just it's so
0: it's well, it's, it's,
1: it, it's kind of unnecessary
0: at this point with Bond. A eh? and and I mean, I guess what one of the things that you're pointing to here is one of my major issues with the film. Um, did we really need to go into Bond's past again? Didn't we do a really good job of that in the last film? And now we should be looking forward because he's being reborn as a character.
1: Okay, we can we can we can skip that because that's most of that's in the second half of the movie. Exactly. We'll get to there. Oh, we'll get there. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like the set, I, I kind of like the setup, but I, I, th- I wish they would have baked it a little harder. Cause yeah, like, like her, I, I could buy M was looking into something at the time of her death, and just you know, it, it almost would have been better if, if, it looked like it was filmed in Skyfall. Like she went into a corner and did it real quick just to give him something to do, but she didn't want to like distract him while you know this other stuff was going on. You know, I don't know. Or it would have been even better if they if she had just said it at the end of the last movie. <laughs> that would have been rad, but no, they didn't. But yeah, most of this, most of the front half of the movie, I really liked. He, he gets this mission. I mean, yeah, it's it's getting old that he he goes rogue again. And Ethan Hunt always goes rogue. Like you know the, the spies going rogue thing. I'm I'm just tired of it. Like don't have the spies go rogue. Just just have them stay on the, on the task. You know they're they're spies for Christ's sake. They're super spies. Like just just let them do their thing. And the stuff with the politicking and the dismantling of the bon- of the, the 007 program, we've seen it before in James Bond movies, but you know it's, it's a thing that seems to be worth saying every so often, which is like, why, why do we have this? What I did like about the front half of the movie is they did not call James Bond a spy at all at any point during this movie. They con- consistently referred to him as an assassin. And it's like, yes, that is correct. You send Bond to go kill people. You do not send him to figure something out. Yeah. He, he figures things out to find you and kill you. But yeah, and and I did I did appreciate that. Like it it's like yeah, Bond's been a, a hitman for the British government this entire time. Like they finally owned it. It only took them twenty four films. <laughs> so uh, there's that. Um, but yeah, it, the front half of this movie I really liked. I really liked um, uh, uh, Drax the Destroyer, whatever his real name is. Dave Bautista. Dave Bautista. Yeah, I he really was great.
0: Yeah, he was fantastic. And the the showdown between him and Bond is it, it's Titanic. Like it's, it's actually one of the best you know, Bond henchman fights, uh, of all time.
1: Yeah, I would agree. And, you know, and the revealing of specter and all that, I mean, it was, it was a little overly cute. Um, and the fact that Bond got away so easily from that meeting seemed a little weird, but whatever. I mean, most of the front half of the movie, at least he was being, he was being proactive. He was trying, he was looking for things and I appreciate it. I mean, he was looking for someone to kill, but that's what Bond does. Okay, so let's get to the second half of this movie. The second half, okay, this this is why I hated this movie, and the more I think about it, the more I hate it, Jonathan. The second half of this movie falls back into every tired storytelling trope that the series has ever done, and it's stupid, and I hate it. Bond after after the train, Bond becomes a passenger in his own movie. Like like, what was his plan after this stupid train? It's like we're gonna go on this train to this crater that isn't supposed to have stuff in it, but it does, and we're just gonna wait there and let them come capture us, and then you know, it's like, what the hell was that? It was so dumb, and he gets like tortured, and it, you know, and and they have their own version of the laser from Goldeneye, which is drills going into his skull, and then they yeah. talk about these drills going into his skull, like it's going to really mess him up, and then they sort of play with it. Did it mess him up? Did it not? But they never really deal with that again. But yeah, it fell back on this old storytelling device of James Bond being a passenger in his own movie, and everybody doing things around him. And it was dumb. I mean, he straight up had a dinner with the villain. I, how stupid is that? And then, and then they decided to go full Austin Powers with it and have, it's not like his brother. It's the old dude from Skyfall. His son is, who kind of took James in. Turns out to be Blofeld. And it's like, what the, why? Why did that even need to be in there? You know? It's
0: it's confusing at best. And I actually had some curiosity about this script because it it felt so strange and what I found out is that two of the writers, uh, what are their names, Purvis and Wade, wrote the original draft, and then the producers brought in John Logan, who had helped to refine and, and alter Skyfall script to try and clean it up a bit. And, and I think that's where we get a lot of this duality that we see in the story, both in terms of plot and also, oddly, in tone. Yeah. Where sometimes Bond is aloof and silly, and sometimes Bond is the bond that we know from, from the previous three films. And, um, yeah, like it ends up being like a war of tonality.
1: Yeah. And the wrong tone wins.
0: Yeah. Unfortunately. And, and, you know, it, it leads me to something that, something that Daniel Craig said that, you know, he didn't have the greatest time filming this movie and he thought he was done with it. And then he thought to himself, I want to come back and do one more because I didn't feel like I left it off where I, where I needed to. And you know what? That's a fair criticism because I don't feel like this movie leads, leaves anything off where it needs to be, uh, I-
1: including Blofeld, who should be really a, a downright interesting villain. But he's not in this movie. Yeah, he almost was. But yeah, just, yeah, that that last so, act is just so... And, and the amazing exploding, like, like John or, or Bond shoots a valve and it blows up the entire base. Like, what the hell was that?
0: <laughs> yeah, that seems like a design flaw. Mm-hmm. They went to the uh, the the Empire School of Building there.
1: Yeah, the second that, that half of the movie, like I I I just hated it. It it went back to all the problems that we've had since Connery, you know? Since Connery, we've had this problem of Bond being a passenger in his own films and just reacting to everything. And, you know, it made him seem dumb. Like, why were they waiting there? It made him seem dumb. You know, and if they had just changed one minor thing, which is they go to that crater and start poking around and then get captured. It would have helped it a lot because at least he was doing something. Yeah. But yeah. The worst part
0: about this movie is that there are some genuinely cool moments that feel wasted at the end of it because of the, the, the weak stuff that, that doesn't hold up. And like the the Mr. Hinks as a, as a, a henchman comes to mind. Like, completely wasted at the end because he's wasted on a bad film and he could have been so much more.
1: And then the, the final final act where they have a, a, a fight in the uh, Vauxhall cross that's being demolished and like bond searching. And then it becomes, and then like he finds, you know, the kidnapped girl and he's like, do you trust me? And then jumps down a hole and lands in a net that just happens to be there. And then starts following arrows out of the building. And it's like, could you have not have shown bond setting that up? Cause it was really clear to me that he set it up and it would have made him seem smart if he figured out where the guy was going to hide. Like he'd somehow figured out where the, the guy was going to hide her and then planned his escape and snuck in there and did it under their nose. That would have been rad, but no, it just seems like luck. Cause you can't, you can't, maybe it is like, maybe that net was there for other reasons. You don't know. It seems like he did it on purpose, but I don't know. Yeah, it- ultimately I feel like this movie comes
0: down to a fight between the weak script and the the excellent direction and, and you know, showmanship of the of the, the crew and actors. Right. And it's
1: not even the weak and script. Like, it's just that last act like they, it completely fell apart, which is, you know, a problem in modern cinema. But yeah, like.
0: But it's more than just the last act. I mean, it's the setup of the last act, too. Yeah. And it's funny because when you watch it, you're 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 watching some, you know, honestly, some film masters at work like Sam Mendes, the way he, he shot this movie and the the way the set pieces work and even like the tension of the uh of the scene where he uh, goes to the meeting and is discovering just how large this organization is like there's some genuinely good moments in that tension yeah ultimately gets completely let down by the the arc of the story and like i figure i feel like that's where the whole thing just went wrong and fell apart like there's there's a lot to like there it's like 85% of what it needed to be. The problem is that the 15% that isn't there is, is like, it's the deadly. It, it's the 15%, most important 15%, not, not the stuff you could have lost.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad he's coming back for you no know, time to die, I guess, but me too.
0: And it, you know, I'm glad they're bringing Blofeld back too. Maybe they can salvage him too.
1: Yeah. And they're bringing the, he uh, deserve better. They're bringing the lady back too. She's in the next yeah. movie. So yeah,
0: maybe Mr. Hinks will come back. I don't know. <sighs>
1: <laughs> All right, well, Jonathan, next episode is our, our last entry in the series for probably a while. It's our last journey away from the regular Bond franchise. We are going to watch Eon Productions' The Rhythm Section, which is one of the movies they started producing that's not Bond because they started slowing down the production of Bond movies because doing it every two years was probably murdering people. Uh, <laughs> you know, obviously it was. It was obviously murdering them creatively. What's it called again? The Rhythm Section. So this movie snuck out. I didn't hear about it. It got interesting reviews. I don't know. It's pr- it might be a dumpster fire. It might not. But it's what th- it's the thing they were trying to make a new franchise that they could make in between Bond movies, and it, apparently it failed. But I, I didn't even hear about it. So I, I'm curious. We are watching this based purely on me being curious about it. It can't be that hard to get, dude. I got it at my library <laughs> on DVD. On DVD. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of part 28 of our series, and we've got one
0: more film to go, and then we're going to go on a hiatus for this and start our uh, exploration of the works of Stephen King while we wait for this last Bond film to come out, which w- should have been, well, it should have been a year ago at this point. Yeah. And now it's time for our Year in the Life segment, and this is an important one. This is where we get a chance to revisit something that unfortunately is, is, is still with us and pertinent, and we need to continue this discussion.
1: So Forgot My Dice 89... Black Lives Matter. Yeah, that was the episode because we recorded episode 88, literally the night that George Floyd died. I remember reading about it after we got done recording and we held off releasing that for over a month because it just didn't seem right to release it after everything that happened. that was the right
0: choice. That was the right choice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And like
0: like we said earlier, this is a discussion that is still ongoing and needs to continue going. And, you know, I think if anything, that the last year has shown us that the world still has a lot of growing up to do. So don't let the conversation die. Keep talking about it and keep marching us towards the, the hopefully, the, the happy ending that will happen. But we are not there yet. And and the news constantly reminds me of just how far we are from that.
1: I don't know what to say.
0: Just nothing to say. I mean, like, I don't know. But like I said, just keep the conversation going. That's that's all we can say about this. this. Don't let that be senseless and fade into obscurity because it, it needs to be... It needs to be remembered, and, and as so many of these do, and, and we need to keep the conversation going because the work's not done. Well, that brings us to the end of segment two of our show. We are going to take a quick break, and when we return, it will be time for us to deep dive Warp's Edge. We love getting
1: feedback, so please let us know how we're doing by one of the following You can become our patron over at Patreon. Search for Forgot My Dice. We also have a Discord
0: page where we organize games and chat about all sorts of stuff. Find the link on our website,
1: ForgotMyDice.com. You can also message us or tweet at us on the Twitters. Find us at ForgotMyDice. And of course, you can email us at fmdpodcast2016 at gmail.com. Or you can head on over to our website, ForgotMyDice.com, where all of our episodes are available, plus game reviews and other content. If you like the show, the best way for more people to find out about us is to give us a review on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or Stitcher. Last of you, for those of you listening in the village, call the operator, give your number, and ask for us to be put on the rotation. Robert, this, this needs to stop. Listen, I'll, I'll make you a deal. I will not make any deals with you. I will not be pushed, filed, stamped, indexed, briefed, debriefed, or numbered. My life is my own.
0: Ah... <sighs> I'm going to cut his cord. And welcome back from the break. It is now
1: time for our deep dive. Warp's Edge. You are Taylor Mindy, rookie pilot of the Force's Outer Rim. After a crucial battle, you are stranded far away from your fleet, lost and alone. With resources running low, you jump through warp gate after warp gate, hoping to find the right combination home but home is not what you find. The warp takes you further out in the galaxy than the force has ever gone. You are deep behind enemy lines and you find yourself on the edge of a black hole and on the doorstep of the enemy's mighty mothership. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> so how does this game play? Cause I couldn't, they didn't have like a f- synopsis in it of it in the copy.
0: Okay. It's kind of, it's kind of interesting. So, Instead of a deck-building game, this is a bag-building game. And that's because the vast majority of the actions that you take in this game are controlled by the tokens that you uh, generate. And you put those tokens into a bag, and you'll be taking five out at a time for a turn. So let me kind of walk you through what happens. So in terms of setup, what we have here is a couple different things. You're going to select your ship. And your ship is a little starfighter. And each one of these ships, um, there are several in the box... On are printed on some double, uh, pardon me, double-sided thick cardboard boards and tell you what your hull and shield levels are. And that'll come into some importance as we get into combat, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. And these ships all have some asymmetrical powers and are all specced a little bit differently, giving you a little bit of variety in the game, which is great. The next thing you'll do is you'll choose a mothership that you'll be going against, and each of the motherships has a certain number of warps that it will do, and those equate the number of rounds that you have to um, attack this ship and its fleet of fighters and shoot them down using your fighter. Uh, now, the important thing to kind of note is this is an interesting game because it's a single-player game. It's designed from the ground up for one player. It's part of Renegade's Solo Hero series, and I thought it would be something interesting because we really haven't talked about a single-player game on the show, uh, not, not in any kind of huge detail. We talked about Nemo's War, one of my favorite single-player games, but this was uh, this is new and interesting and fun, and I thought it might be something a little different for the show, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So once you have chosen the mothership, um, each of these motherships is also asymmetrical and will generally be formed out of a couple different sections, and so they each have some asymmetrical powers as well. Uh, the one that I would suggest starting out against is the dread and the dread is kind of interesting because you cannot attack it and it can't attack you until you've finished off its fighter cover which is represented by cards you've got a couple different markers that you're going to be managing you've got a hull marker and a shield marker because your your ship will have a a hull strength and a shield strength Uh, that's how you take damage you can repair your shields but you cannot repair your hull so keep that in mind and then you've got tokens and you start out with a bag full of 10 tokens uh, these tokens come in a couple different flavors. There are evasion tokens. There are laser tokens, and those laser tokens come in a couple different power settings. And then you have Hey,
1: Jonathan. P- I'm going to stop you right yeah. here. Can you tell? Can you say the colors of these tokens? Because I'm looking at a picture, and I'm trying to I'm trying to yes. look at the right ones. The
0: evade tokens are blue. The laser tokens are red and come with some different iconology depending on whether they're level one, level two, or level three lasers.
1: They look kind of They look kind of salmon to me you could go with salmon. Cool. I'll allow that. All right. Maybe even magenta. Nah, that doesn't look magenta to me. It's a little too pink.
0: Salmon. Um, and then you have green tokens, which are energy tokens. Again, these come in a couple different flavors from one to three. And that energy is kind of the currency of the game. It can be used to repair your shields or it can be used to purchase uh, additional tokens. And then you have the power tokens and the power tokens are kind of interesting. There are lots of different types of power tokens, two to three types per letter in the word power. And the reason this is important is because each ship, uh, each of your fighters has a different loadout that it will accommodate, a different combination of these power tokens uh, that spell out P-O-W-E-R and basically give you different, uh, well, powers, frankly. And you'll get one of them to start out in your bag with your 10 base tokens, which give you um, a combination of some offense and lasers, some evasion tokens, some power tokens, and your one power token, and that's what you'll start off in your bag. You'll have 11 tokens. Now that you've got everything set up, you've got your fighters set up, and each mothership will tell you how many fighters it has. Fighters come in three different difficulties. Uh, There's red, orange, and yellow, and you'll have a different number of those, Uh, and these are all printed on cards. You get 27 cards total, so you get a little bit of variation there, too. Fighters will have a um, uh, basically like a hull strength that you have to shoot. That'll be equal to the number of lasers you're going to use to destroy it. It will have an evasion rate, which is equal to the number of evasion tokens that you have to throw at it to successfully evade it. And it will also tell you what your rewards are if you evade or destroy those fighters. Then you have the mothership itself, which um, has different ratings for how it will attack you. And then, of course, you have some plastic trays which are included in the box and help you to organize all these tokens that you'll have because in front of you you'll have a store with level one through three energy and laser evade tokens and of course those power tokens we were talking about before and you'll get a chance to to, to shop from that store for a different number of energy credits you know in game so here's how the game works once you get into it It, essentially each turn will be uh, divided into four steps and once you run out of tokens in your bag, that'll be the end of the round, at which point you'll lose um, one of your, your limited number of warps, uh, which are measured by the mothership, and each mothership has a different number of warps that it allows, and you will have an opportunity to refresh everything. So in step one, the enemies arrive, and at the beginning of the game, you'll have the mothership, and then you'll have four enemy fighters spread out in front of you. Now each of those enemy uh, fighters will be combated using pilot actions. and to start out with the pilot actions, you will take five credit or pardon me five tokens out of your bag and you will then start to assign those tokens to different functions. So if you imagine you have the four enemy fighter cards in front of you, uh, let's say you had two laser tokens, level one each and you had uh, two evade tokens and your energy token. So you might, assign one token to each of the fighters in front of you. So you put one laser token in front of one fighter, one laser token in front of the other, one evade in front of one fighter, and one evade in front of the other. So now each card has gotten one token, and that's important because the only enemies that can attack you are enemies that are not stunned. And if you start to do an evasion or you start to do an attack on an enemy, in in terms of the game, it is then stunned and will not do a counterattack on you. So this game begins to become a a matter of resource management. And with your energy token, your energy token can be used to purchase additional tokens. And when you purchase a token, it goes directly into your bag. And the reason that's important is because as the game progresses, if you're dropping tokens in your bag, you can extend the duration of the round. Because you start with 11 tokens, but at the end of round one, you might be able to generate one or two additional tokens. And if you do that after a couple of rounds, you might have extended your turn by one or two different rounds. Make sense so far?
1: Yeah, question. The uh, the warp that you're talking about, uh, looking at the dread here, is that the the four little things on the upper left-hand corner that has some sort of thing? Yes, okay.
0: yes. Uh, just think of it more of a round counter with a face. Okay, just
1: just making sure that's what it was. So once you have uh, attributed your
0: action, any enemies that are stunned will not do a counterattack, and you'll just take your token, and your token is then assigned to that ship and, and travels along with it. Uh, And the reason this is important is because uh, your discard pile does come into play as you uh, destroy by accumulating the proper amount of damage on a ship or evade by accumulating the proper amount of evade tokens on a ship. You will be moving your, your chips into the discard pile. And if you do happen to take damage, you actually have to take not only damage on your shields, which you track on your fighter, but you also have to discard permanently from the game one of your tokens in your discard pile. And at the end of the warp, uh, basically the end of the round, when you refresh everything, you'll be grabbing all of your tokens off of your discard pile and tossing them back into the bag and shake them up so that you can start the next round. So why is it important to destroy things? Well, each card will have two reward pr- rewards printed on it. You'll have a reward for destroying it and you will have a reward for evading it. And those rewards are tokens, which you take out of the general supply and drop directly into your bag. Again, giving you more, uh, actions that you can do in any given round and giving you more rounds that you can do in any given warp. After you've assigned all your actions, uh, you will have the opportunity to, um, remedy any enemy attacks. And if the enemy attacks you You'll see at the bottom of the enemy cards, there are uh, icons letting you know how much damage it will do to you. And then you render that damage on your shields, discarding any tokens that are appropriate. And if your shields go down, then you have to render that damage on your hull. And if you run out of hull damage, well, then kaboom. And kaboom can mean a couple different things depending on the fighter. Finally, you'll do the pilot plans uh, section of the game, which is where you shake your bag, grab five additional tokens, and get ready to do the the next round. And that's it. That's, that's the, the, the core gameplay loop. Now, the power tokens are kind of interesting because when they come out, they do all kinds of interesting things. Uh, and there's all kinds of iconography to let you know what those are. Uh, I'll give you some examples. The Warhammer is a uh, power token. It represents the W on the power chart. And you choose one enemy, and this token immediately destroys that enemy, no matter how much life they have. But other enemies cannot be stunned by lasers this, this turn. So you can't just use it whenever it comes out, because if you use it at the wrong time, you might end up taking a lot of damage because the other enemies, even though they're accumulating damage, won't have that stunned that we talked about. So this brings us to another thing that you can do. All of the different fighters have a, a uh, one or more hold section, which is an area where you can hold a token over to the next round. Um, and so maybe the that Warhammer icon is not something that you want to use on this given round. So you put that in your hold bin and then you hold on to that. It's basically a pocket icon that you can bring in in an, in an alternate round later on. Does that all make sense? Yeah. So yeah, where this game really excels is is in the, the customization because you've got all these different types of icons. You've got asymmetricality in the ships, asymmetricality in the uh, motherships. And then on top of it, Every ship comes with its own loadout of different powers, and so you have to learn how all these powers interact with each other. And so the the core gameplay loop is you're basically um, assigning out damage. You're trying to destroy the fighters and destroy the mothership. By doing uh, destruction and evasion, you're gaining uh, additional chips, which give you greater flexibility and longer turns, and you're trying to stretch that out long enough to do enough damage and destroy the mothership before you run out of rounds. Seems really easy. It's deceptive because yes. No, I,
1: I could I could see that. No, I just like it because I was thinking, I was thinking for a game that you're playing by yourself, like having it be complicated is just one of those like. It can work. It can work. Like Nemo's
0: War is a really good example of a complicated game uh, th- that that is single player. But what I do like about this is a the variation that's con- uh, controlled in the box or contained in the box, and b the fact that the um, uh, the game is simple, and it's simple and quick to set up. And one of the greatest things that it does is it's got all these plastic trays inside of the game to make setup very easy and tidy. And more importantly, those trays directly make it, uh, make it easy to execute on the the store stuff. So it's it's fantastic. Like, it's really well thought out, not just from a gameplay perspective, but also from the perspective of management, because those little tokens can get, it can get kind of fidgety if you don't have a good management system.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I like it. I dig it. I dig it. All right, Jonathan. So, how's the rule book? So the rule book is pretty darn straightforward, but it is
0: lacking uh, a little bit. And let me explain where it's lacking. So the rules as laid out are very straightforward. It's easy to read. It's easy to get into. Super, super easy to uh, to to learn the game. The problem with the rule book is that the uh, gameplay sequence. And and to be fair, it is shortcutted on the um, fighter card. So keep that in mind. But in the rulebook, the gameplay sequence is on page 12. But the descriptors for the power tokens are on page 24. And the uh, descriptor for the rewards, as they're printed on the different fighter cards, are on page 21. Uh, and the glossary of terms is on page 20. So you find yourself going back and forth a lot until you learn the iconography of the game and there's no index. And that just kind of, it just gets awkward going back and forth. Now, that being said, the rulebook's not particularly long. Uh, am I being a little nitpicky? Yes. But having one, uh, a one sheet with both the gameplay elements and the token uh, iconography on it would have been really nice. It would have been a nice addition and would have been a single piece of paper. I can't imagine that would have added anything to the cost. Now, another aspect that we haven't talked about yet is that there is a second book in the box and it's called Singularity. And it's basically a choose-your-own-adventure book. And what's cool about this is as you choose your own adventure, what you are essentially doing is choosing different randomized elements of the setup, like the ship that you're going to use, the card that you start out, or the the upgrade that you start out with. Because that's one thing that I haven't talked about yet is the upgrade cards. They're cards that you get at the end of every round. You get to draw two and keep one. And these are asymmetrical powers that um, uh, will basically break the rules a little bit, you know? Yeah. So... In this setup book, as you choose your own adventure, and there's quite a, quite a few variations, you'll get an opportunity to choose the enemy mothership, your ship, uh, your special powers, your special weapon, and all kinds of fun stuff. And it's just a really neat way to, 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 to randomize setup. It's neat. It's like a little choose-your-own-adventure novella.
1: So we already talked about it a little bit, but I'm just looking at the picture you sent me, which will probably be gracing our website. How are the components? Because i really like the look of these trays are they fully plastic yeah man like actually so a
0: a, a couple things about this game hold on let me check some. so one of the greatest things about this game is is, it's a 35 dollar single player game and it's not a particularly big footprint so it's easy to take with you and i mean that both in the footprint of the box and the footprint of the game when it's set up and in terms of execution utterly gorgeous. So first of all, all the printing, beautiful, did a really good job, nice thick cardstock. But you get one big storage tray at the bottom of the box that you get to uh, store all of your power tokens, um, and that includes all the different variations uh, and everything. And then there are two additional trays that sit on top of that storage tray that contain all uh, all of the tokens that you'll use in the store and give you slots for the power tokens that are appropriate to the fighter that you choose. And the greatest thing is, that those come with clear um, covers that slip onto it and give you a flat surface to store all of the cardboard mothership and cardboard fighter player boards and the cloth bag that it comes with to store all the tokens uh, for gameplay and the instruction books. And it all comes together and fits perfectly in the box and there's a space for everything and nothing gets zipped around and it's fan.
1: Fantastic. It even came with a bunch of Ziploc bags, which you don't even need because you've got all these trays. It's great. Let me ask you a question. I noticed on the Board Game Geek uh, there is an expansion for this game. Oh, there is? Yeah, said there was. I don't Uh know. Well, while you're salivating over potentially getting an expansion, is there room in this box to hold an expansion?
0: Yes, absolutely. Oh, there's a playmat now, too. And a token upgrade pack? What are these made out of? (laughs) Oh, plastic. Oh, I might have to pick shit out of this game. I really enjoy
1: this game, Robert. Like, it's a good little (laughs) single-player game. By the amount I'm going to have to bleep you, I can tell.
0: (laughs) So, yes, there's absolutely room to expand uh, in the core box. There's there's no reason you would need anything else um, unless, of course, it comes with, like, a different store and needs a new tray or something. So, yes, absolutely. There's plenty of room for more tokens in that box. So, generally you'd say the components
1: are pretty good, right? Oh man, yeah, no, it's,
0: <laughs> it's it's top-notch. It's a really really good effort and everything feels good and thick and is beautiful and yeah, I I really enjoyed it. And it's a it's just like it's a solid single-player experience and it's not a particularly expensive game to get into and there's so much gameplay to be had there and it's just this Lovely little package. Doesn't take up a lot of room. You can totally travel with it. And there's so much variation in there because of all the asymmetricality that it's it really, really works. It, it's it's just really well done. I mean, this is the... I think this is the best Scott Alms game I've played since uh, Tiny Epic Galaxies.
1: All right. So, Jonathan, what would the recommended player count be? Two, three, four? <laughs> it's one. It's a single-player game.
0: Mm, mm-hmm, it's a mm-hmm. solo game. <laughs> It's part of the Solo
1: Hero series. I I can't keep the joke up. It's just the question I ask. And
0: actually, you know, I got to tell you, this game has impressed me so much that I am now interested in the other Solo Hero games uh, in Renegade series. They've got another one that's really kind of caught my eye. It's called Proving Grounds.
1: Groovy. All right, Jonathan. So you have one last thing you can say about this game. What is that thing going to be? Single-player games
0: are tough because board games generally speaking, are all about the experience and the social aspect, right? Yes. So inherently, if I want to play a single-player game, chances are I'm probably going to play, pick up a video game because my experience with solo play generally is that it's a tacked-on mode that, that just kind of works, but not really, right? Yeah. I mean, how many times have I said that in our reviews, that the the player count should be this, there's a single-player mode, but it's not 100%, right? It's a, there's always a compromise. This is designed from the ground up for the solo experience. And this is the kind of game that when I'm traveling for work, I could toss into my travel bag because it doesn't take up a lot of room. And I will play uh, at a hotel because I can just spread it out and it doesn't take a b- bunch of room or I could play it at a, a, at an airport or at a restaurant or something like that. And it, it works. It totally works. It's super fun. It's super fast to play. It's super easy to learn. Uh, but there's that depth that you really need as, as a hardcore gamer and, yeah, this really, like, what a lovely, lovely surprise. I took a chance on this because we hadn't covered a lot of solo games, and I thought it was really ballsy of Renegade to, to put out an entire series of solo games. And so I took a chance on this. I'm really, genuinely glad I did because this is a lovely little addition to my game library that, that fits a specific time. And I can see myself playing this ad infinitum, especially now that I see that there's an inv- uh, a, an expansion pack that will just add to the variety. I love it. The expansion by the way comes with six new enemy cards, three new skill cards, those are those asymmetrical powers that you get at the end of every round, two new fighters, and two new motherships. But yeah, I mean just like like I said, like this is a single player experience in a tiny package and for not a lot of money and it totally works and it's a perfect travel game. Like I love this. I'm really excited about this and I hope I hope Renegade continues this series and i'm looking forward to trying some others in this series because this really reinvigorated what it means to have a single player board game experience for me well that brings us to the end of our deep dive which of course also means that we are now at the end of episode 110 of the forgot my dice podcast once again join us on all of our digital domains we would love to hear from you and robert any final thoughts
1: by the time this episode comes out the summer solstice will have occurred which is so weird, this far north, because it is so <laughs> bright out, so late up here. It's bizarre. It's just, it's it's really, I, I still remember after we bought this house, and we were moving stuff over here on the solstice, and like, you know, I saw light on the horizon, I'm like, oh, it's not that late, it's not that late, you know, there's still light out, you know, it's fine, you know, because we had Eowyn with us, and then I looked, and it was 11 o'clock. <laughs>
0: Oh, man, that's crazy, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: I mean, like, I, I thought we were bad because we're lit up till almost nine at this point.
1: I mean, it wasn't like, there was there was light on the horizon, but yeah, it was, yeah. It was it's like, 8.35 right now, and I
0: think... You mean 9.35? No, 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 I'm talking about sundown. Uh, oh, okay. There's nine on the horizon, or there's light on the horizon until about nine, a little past nine, and that's today, and I think, like, I think the latest it'll go is, like, 9.30. 30, 940 That you have light.
1: Yeah, our sun set right now is at nine oh one, but then sunrise is at five twenty one a.m. <laughs> <Ouch>. <laughs> All right. Well, um,
0: with that, sir, there's only one left thing. One last thing left to do, and that is, Robert,
1: be excellent to one another, and party on. Party on, Jonathan. Music you heard in this podcast was intro by Ella Feel. Additional music was provided by Brian Winkleman. Funding for the Forgot My Dice podcast was provided by our supporters on Patreon. Thank you.